Today's reading is taken from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 18. So John, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born not of natural descent, nor of a human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father. Uh, is in the closest relationship with the Father has made him known. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Rosemary. Is this working? Sound? Yes, good. Um, well, can I start by adding a very happy new year to you, 2022 already? How about that? Um, and for several reasons, which I think will become uh, apparent, uh, I find it brilliant that we, we start our year um, in the lectionary uh, readings um, by looking at this famous 
prologue at the start of John's Gospel. And it is a prologue. It introduces a lot of themes. There's a lot in there. We could do a whole sermon series on just uh, that 1 to 18 at the beginning of John's Gospel. Um, So uh, forgive me in what we unpack this morning. We'll only be sort of scratching the surface at some of it. Um, Do go home and and read it in its fullness. In fact, read the whole Gospel because it's an extraordinary uh, thing. Um, but this is sort of the pre-credit sequence. It sets up the characters, it sets up the plot, it sets up the action, it gives us a little teaser as uh, to what is coming in the rest of the gospel. Uh, but as we uh, start, before I go on, let's just pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the word made flesh. And we pray that you would uh, draw near to us as we uh, think more deeply about who you are and what you've done and the great gift we have in your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So I don't know if you've come across uh, the concept of the word of the year. This is something that um, the Oxford English Dictionary comes up with each year. Um, And it's not just a randomly selected word. It's a word which has some resonance, which has a particular uh, meaning in that year. Um, So in in this particular year, um, the Oxford Oxford English Dictionary said that the word of the year was vax, V-A-X. I'm not even convinced that is a word, but the OED says it is, so who am I to criticise them? And of course, in in, in 2021, vax uh, was indeed a word we all came to know well. Um, The idea of um, our lives being... Uh, punctuated or, or punctured uh, by, by vaccines all the way through the year. In 2020, actually, they couldn't settle on one word, so they had a few uh, different suggestions. Um, among them were things like lockdown. In 2019, the word of the year was two words. I think they cheated. Uh, climate emergency. And the thing about words, of course, is they carry more than their immediate literal meaning. They carry meaning within a particular time and a particular context. Words only really make sense in action, as they interact with the, with the culture, with those things uh, going on around them. If you'd said lockdown to someone five years ago, they wouldn't have had a clue uh, what you were talking about. Now, though, we've experienced the lockdown, and, and so when I say lockdown, you might be thinking about uh, homeschooling, or, or daily walks, or, or standing on the doorstep and clapping, all those sorts of things. Well, John, as he starts his gospel, points to the the word, and as he does so, he's drawing um, on a big idea in the Jewish world, the idea of the logos. Um, So I'm going to attempt to unpack, in a very short space of time, a little bit of uh, Jewish philosophy here, which is a reckless and and crazy idea, but we're going to do it. Um, And if anybody knows more than I do out there, then please um, grab me afterwards and correct me. But as I understand it, logos is the word uh, that the translators in our Bible have chosen to translate as word. And, uh, and uh, as John says, in the beginning, the logos the, was the logos or the word. And this logos is like the underlying thing that holds everything together, that makes sense of everything. Without the logos... Um, I guess God is a little bit like the word lockdown was five years ago. It's just a, a, God is a random, meaningless word with no real world, world experience to attach to it. Something sort of far beyond us. But the logos, 
according to ancient uh, Greek and Jewish thought, is the thing that, that meant that God was able to actually interact with the world, with creation, with culture, with humanity. The Logos is, uh, I guess, God's self-disclosure, God's self-revelation. Actually, in the Bible, um, the Logos pops up a little bit before John's Gospel. If you read some of the commentaries, they'll suggest um, that in some ways it's an Old Testament idea. We see a character called Lady Wisdom in Proverbs, and and that's a similar idea. Um, But before we go into a, a sort of major rabbit hole, the point I want you to hear is this. The word, the logos, is, is, is John talking about, uh, sorry, the, the word, the logos that John is talking about is an action word. This isn't just John sort of ruminating in a chair. I think sometimes when I read John's gospel, I, I sort of feel like it's got big ideas that don't sort of land. They don't have much relevance uh, or, or action attached to them. But this stuff actually has real-world consequences. The nature of the Logos is that it's sort of the verb of God, I guess. It's about God's interaction with you and with me. In a way, the word, that the word, use the word a lot in this, uh, in this uh, sermon, so we'll have to go with that, but uh, in, in a way, the word is a verb. It's God's doing in the world. But of course it's more than that. As John's uh, readers start the gospel, they're probably uh, kind of on board with the notion of the logos. As I say, this is an idea they're used to. But the really radical bit about what John is saying is, uh, becomes obvious when he talks about the word. Um, he's actually talking about a person, Jesus Christ. If uh, the logos, the word, is God's active involvement in the world, that active involvement is embodied in one man, in Jesus Christ. So if you want three words to pull out of everything we're going to be saying today, I would suggest three words that I'd like to sort of you to have in the back of your mind are Jesus is active. He was active at creation. He was active as he moved into our neighbourhood and as he walks here on earth. And he's active today and will be active in the year ahead. That logos is God as a verb. It's a doing word. Jesus is active. So let's start with that idea that Jesus was active at creation. That's heavy stuff, isn't it? As God spoke and creation happened, Jesus Christ the word was actively involved in creation. So where have we heard those words at the beginning of uh, John's gospel before? We've heard them in Genesis, of course, in the beginning. And of course, John carries on, in him all things were made. So day one, God says, let there be light. And as he speaks those words, that's where Jesus is, the word, the logos, right there. Switching on the lights. God makes the skies and Jesus Christ is slap bang in that statement as, John, John, uh, as God uh, commands that the skies are made. He's right there in that statement. He's painting the whole thing. As God commands the land to appear on day three, Jesus Christ is right there in that command, drawing the land from the sea. And on, on day four, as God says, let there be stars, right there is Jesus Christ lobbing them into space. On day five, God calls for fish and sea creatures, and Jesus Christ is involved in the design and build. 
Day six, God's voice brings humans into being and Jesus is there stitching us together. It's sort of breathless stuff, isn't it? We've been thinking uh, over the last week, I guess, about Jesus, the baby in a manger. But here's Jesus Christ involved in creation. In the beginning. Well, I wonder how your heads are feeling right now. In a way, I hope your head is spinning a little bit. Because this is mind-blowing stuff. And I think... John wants us to be a little bit mind-blown at this point. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. John, I think, writes the whole Gospel, and this is why I think it's worth going away from here and unpacking itself. I think part of the reason John writes the Gospel is to blow our minds about who Jesus is. And that's just the start, because then later in John's preface, um, there in verse 14, we read that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word there uh, to describe that making his dwelling among us is is the idea of tabernacling. It's the idea of pitching, uh, God pitching his tent among us, much as God Uh, was there in the tabernacle as uh, the Israelites moved through the deserts. That word has been uh, translated in in the message translation. It's it's translated, um, moving into our neighbourhood. I love that phrase. It's got a real earthiness to to it. The active word, God's uh, magnificent verb, Jesus Christ, just can't sit still for long. It's just not in his nature. I have children. I get the idea of not being able to sit still for long. It's very familiar to me, painfully familiar to me. If there's anything going, interesting going on in the house, if I'm attempting to put up a picture, which normally goes wrong, if I'm attempting to fix a broken tap or something, um, my son or daughter have to come to me. And uh, they have to offer their advice. They have to get involved. They have to feel a part of the action. I think there's a sort of reflex um, in, in God, in the Logos, um, of that kind of nature just having to get involved. They need to, um, uh, the Logos needs to feel a part of the action. Staying uninvolved is not an option. And that is why the word became flesh and walked around here on this earth and got stuck in and turned water into wine when a party was flagging and crossed cultural taboos to talk to people that you were supposed to ignore, and fed a hungry crowd, and faced a mob, and was spat on, and hung, and died on a cross as a common criminal. You know, when John says, the word became flesh, he wasn't kidding. The same word, the Logos, the Jesus Christ, who was there at the beginning of creation, lived and laughed, and cried, and experienced, and moved right into our neighbourhood. Jesus doesn't stand aloof to one side, watching things happen. Jesus doesn't close his door and wish the world away. Staying uninvolved is not an option when it comes to the word. 
And that word flesh, by the way, that John puts, the word became flesh, is there for a reason, I think. And that reason is, a, is almost like a pointed dig at those and try and say that living God is about uh, cutting yourself off from the world and living a holy life, about avoiding the culture around us. That is not how the Logos works, John tells us. Jesus is active, Jesus is involved, Jesus moves into the neighbourhood, and that is where his glory is. I wonder what you think of the part that Jesus might play in your 2022. You might have ideas about how your year will turn out. You might have plans for 2022. Maybe you're aiming to move house, uh, maybe you're changing jobs, uh, maybe you're working for a promotion, maybe you've made some reckless decision to try and uh, get fit. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to uh, in 2022. I've mentioned it a little bit to a few people, uh, so I'm sorry to go on, but I'm hoping, and this is very exciting, to make my cricketing debut. It's a very exciting moment. I'm looking forward to standing at the crease and swatting away the first ball I face through covers for four. It's going to be a big moment. Well, we'll see. But whatever we have planned for the coming year, here's the big thing. Jesus, the Word, is interested in all of that stuff. Not in a a dispassionate kind of way, like a, oh, that's what David's up to now kind of way. But in a, a sort of active, involved, rooting for us in the things we do kind of way. So the question is, are we willing to let Jesus in on the everyday action of our lives this year? Are we willing to invite him in to those details, those little bits, that that, that, uh, decision to join a gym, that uh, decision to meet a friend for coffee? Are we willing to invite Jesus into those little details? Because the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. In fact, that that, that phrase should be a reassurance as we head into the year. Whatever happens, whatever joys, whatever pains, whatever uh, fears we face in the year ahead, the word became flesh and lived it first, felt it first. God is is not dispassionately uninterested, sitting from the side, uh, floating somewhere else, because Jesus was made flesh and dwelt among us first. And there's a promise in what John says for those who don't yet know Jesus as well. Verse verse 12, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Wow. A radical new relationship with God is on offer. Again, God taking a direct interest in our lives as individuals. If you, this year, are sometimes tempted to think that your life is irrelevant to God, remember that phrase, the word became flesh. And to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So what is believing in his name? Again, probably a whole sermon series. But believing in Jesus is in part at least about putting our confidence 
in Jesus that the claims that he makes about himself, about who he is, about what he's done, and the claims he makes about you, that you are precious children of God, stack up. It's about putting our confidence in uh, those great truths. It's, it's uh, about living our lives in, 22, uh, in 2022 in a way that declares that Jesus is indeed the Logos, the fundamental thing that holds our lives together in all their colour and confusion and messiness. So my challenge number one for us as we head into 2022 is this. In 2022... Will we live as individuals and actually as a church here at St. Peter's in a way which allows Jesus to move into our neighbourhood? Will we believe in his name? Will we allow him uh, to be that fundamental that holds everything together? Will we believe that Jesus is passionately interested in our individual lives? And, and stepping forward from that, where we invite him to shape our thinking and our doing and our decision-making and our scheming and our hoping as we move through the year. Jesus, the word made flesh, longs to be actively involved in our lives and our life as a church. But there's a second challenge for us, I think, this year. As Jesus moves into our neighbourhoods, as Jesus is active in our lives, how in turn do we act towards uh, those around us, those in our neighbourhoods, literal or metaphorical? John reminds us that we are children of God. We are born of God. And John also reminds us that God didn't remain distant, but that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Well, as his children, made in his likeness, our response surely needs to be the same. That we, that we wouldn't separate ourselves from the world around us, that we wouldn't remain passive observers, but that we would find those places where, where Jesus is at work and join in. I was inspired uh, when I was training uh, for licensed lay ministry. I did placements at another church, and I met a guy who, who used to go um, and, and just sit in the pub. Um, it was a pub in a fairly rough estate. It was a place he would never have set foot, but he, you know, would be quite happy to set foot in a pub. You know, he was a sociable guy. It was not something that felt entirely alien to him. But he took a step and decided to go somewhere a little bit different and sit in the pub and he would just have conversations with people. And the absolute delight as he was telling me that he did this as well. A really unassuming kind of guy, actually. But someone who understood that living in the light and the reality of the word made flesh, living in the reality of a Jesus who is actively involved in our lives, living as uh, children of a God who has moved into our neighbourhood, kind of comes with a challenge, and that is to, to also reflect that active involvement. So my second challenge is, is, is exactly that. Where are those places, where are those neighbourhoods, if you like, where we need to move into? Is there a, a club or a society or something, you know, uh, where we have an interest which we could join and maybe uh, befriend someone we hadn't met before? Is there, is there a literal neighbour uh, living next door who we haven't seen for some time that we could go around and, uh, and ask if they're all right and maybe offer them a cup of tea. And 
I think it's important not to let this become a guilt thing. The word became flesh, and God's given you things that make you tick. They might, you might be uh, hugely into reading. Join a book club. You might uh, be a runner. Go to park run. Whatever it might be. Don't make heavy weather of it. It is actually allowed to be fun moving into our neighbourhoods. You know, Jesus moves into our neighbourhood. The word is made flesh. And that process is one that ends up with Jesus at a party. Doing what he can there. I bet Jesus had a whale of a time at that party in Cana. So as we close and as we step into the new year, let's remember who it is that we are worshipping. The word, the logos, active and involved. He's been active and involved since creation, since before, before. He became flesh and bone and moved into our world to become involved in the messy reality of first century Judea. He longs to be involved and active and interested in our lives and through us to be involved in the lives of those around us this year. Let's pray. Lord God, we acknowledge that so often we haven't reflected your active involvement in the world. We acknowledge that so often we have kept our uh, relationship with you distant from the rest of our lives. But we remember the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. You did not remain distant. And so we ask this year that you would help us to be active and involved with those around us, to be seeking to introduce them to Jesus And for those of us who don't know, that transforming reality that you are interested in the detail of our lives, we pray that you would help to make that a reality. That you would step into our decision-making this year. And ultimately, you would teach us to believe in your name so that we may become uh, children of God. We pray this, that in the year ahead, we would be living for your glory. Amen.